0: Father, we celebrate all that You've done in raising Your Son to life. And we look forward to it too. We look forward to our resurrection on the day when the trumpet sounds and there's a cry of command and the dead in Christ will rise. And will be forever with You. That is a life-changing day. It's a day of resurrection for us. Until then, help us be faithful. And as we look at Your Word today, help us be faithful to it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, We have some special guests with us this morning. I didn't welcome them earlier, but we should have a crew from Honey Rock visiting today. Vanguard students, grad students, where are you at? Please raise your hand. There you are. All right. So welcome. Welcome. So you're invited after the service to... Um, We have some refreshments over in the wing over here, directly over here. uh, Some juice and donuts and and things like that. And uh, so if you you want to make your way over there, we'll talk a little bit. And then after that, we have cross-training, which is our sermon discussion time in here. So if you you want coffee, though, you're going to have to go downstairs and grab that and bring it up. And and we'll make time that you can get down there and do that and come back up. Okay? So, um, welcome. We're glad you're here and uh, praying for you as you make a decision about where you want to attend uh, church in the Northwoods. So, um, all right. Let's do this. A- a- if you've been following the news at all in the last week, uh, you know Hurricane Matthew has been uh, devastating uh, islands in the Caribbean, one of which is Haiti, Haiti. And I uh, just want to call your attention to the fact that uh, this world is not as it should be. And, and I want to show you some images. These are aerial photos uh, of the damage that Hurricane Matthew did. What we're understanding now is that the, the death toll in Haiti is almost at 900. Relief workers are struggling to get to the hardest hit areas. The government estimates that at least 350,000 people need some kind of assistance after this. 350,000 people. At least 28,000 homes have been damaged, according to Haitian officials. And as, as we look at this, I mean, this is just an aerial view. This is just looking down. If we were to zoom in, if you were to zoom in, if you were to be there You would talk to people, faces, people with names, with families. I've seen pictures of children walking amongst the devastation. And what we can say is this world is not as it should be. There should be no hurricanes. There should be no earthquakes. I remember uh, years ago when Haiti suffered a devastating earthquake... And our youth group was sponsoring a child in Haiti. Her name was Ketsia. And we received communication from Compassion International, and they said, we don't know where she's at right now. And so we shared that with the teenagers, and we prayed. And we prayed week after week after week. And finally we got word that they found her. She was okay. And then we celebrated that she was, she was alive. But some aren't. Some aren't and looking down from above tells us one thing but seeing faces knowing names is a totally different thing and we say this earth is not as it should be how do we get here what's happened and we go back to genesis and we would say we would say when adam and eve sinned when our ancestors sinned they introduced Sin into the world, and the whole world has fallen. That the the ground itself was cursed when that happened. And so nothing's okay. Romans 8 says, Romans 8 says, the creation was subjected to futility. The word is futility, futile. It, it, it's been restrained. It's being held back. It's, it's not as it was originally designed. Futility. And this is how we live. That This is where we live. And so, on the one hand, we can say, the heavens declare the glory of God. And, and you can see beautiful, wondrous things in different parts of the world, even our own country, and say, what a gorgeous scene that is. You can have a mountaintop experience, and yet, there are valleys... There are hard places that have been wrecked by hurricanes, earthquakes, natural disasters, tornadoes. When the tornado devastates your town, your house, your friends, your family, you know this is not as it should be and that the creation was subjected to this word, futility. Creations under the curse. This is interesting though. You know, w- w- Hollywood movie producers make millions of dollars filming apocalyptic movies. The end of the world, devastation, maybe the movie was 2012, Armageddon, you, you name the movie and they've made it. It could be Godzilla, you know, whatever it is, there's there's devastation what you normally don't see is what happens after the apocalypse. What's the next step? And you're always left to assume, I guess there's rebuilding. I I guess there's survival. We'll we'll be okay. But I have a question. And my question is this. When we know that the earth's going to be destroyed in the last day, there's going to be a judgment on the earth that's going to wipe things out. This is Second Peter talking about it, if we could pull that up. Maybe. I can read it if I need to. I'll read it for you. There it is. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Now, the question I have about the, a passage like this is, I, I know what this is saying. There will be real judgment. And that word destroyed, that's one of the first Greek words I had to learn. It's a simple word. It's a small word. Probably why I had to learn it. The word is luo. Lu, it's a simple word. Luo. And it means to loose. Like, like if you were unstrapping someone's sandals. John used that word. Loose. But it also means to destroy, to kill, dissolve. So the question becomes... What does it mean here? What does it mean that the earth is going to be destroyed? My question is, is it going to be annihilated? Wiped out of existence? Is God starting over when we get to the new heavens and earth? Or is there continuity? What's going on here? So, then you get to Revelation and you have a verse like this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's what we're going to be forever, us believers. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And so I come to another interesting word, passed away. The first heaven and the first earth passed away. Aperkomai in Greek, it means to depart, to go away. It's used all over the place in the New Testament because it's a word that just means, you know, Jesus and his disciples, aperkomai. You know, they, they departed, they went away, they went on a journey. And so you're saying, the first earth is going Away. Well, where is it going? Is it coming back? What's going on? Will will I recognize anything in heaven? Will will there be any continuity? Or is it completely annihilated? Is the original creation annihilated in such a way that God has to start over and have like a new creation week almost? What's the answer? And I would submit to you, as, as we're studying heaven for the next seven weeks, we're in week three now, I would submit to you that it's not in fact annihilated completely but it will be redeemed, it will be resurrected, there will be continuity. And I want to show that to you in Scripture. Would you go to Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8. Uh, Romans 8, a lot of people think this is the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. And, and you can see why. Romans 8 starting with, Therefore there is no, oh no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful chapter of Scripture. And it speaks about our life on the new earth. It speaks about the old creation. Um, And I want to show this to you. This is uh, Romans 8 18. Paul's thinking about all the suffering that he's seen in the world, that he himself has undergone that he himself maybe has caused. And he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, some translations say, or to us. But either way, verse 19, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. That would be us. For the creation was subjected to frustration or futility, some translations will say, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope The creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we're saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And we're waiting. I would like to give to you this morning three reasons why I don't believe the earth will be completely annihilated. That it will actually be resurrection. It will, it will be redeemed. It will be freed from bondage. Here's, here's the reasons I see in Romans 8. Number one. Uh, it says there's hope for creation. There is hope. If you look at verse 20, look, look at how verse 20 reads. The creation was subjected to frustration. There's our word Futility. Uh, uselessness, you know, it, it, it's, it's being held back, not by its own choice. So so right away here we've got to recognize Paul's writing about creation and he's personifying it. This is not Mother Nature though, okay? We're not talking Mother Nature, we're talking, you're using a a, a way of writing that personifies the natural world, creation, as if it's a person, even though it's not, obviously. So he says in verse 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Now again, you've got to say, well, who subjected it? And, and Paul doesn't give a clear answer here. I think we're supposed to assume it was God, because God gave the curse. But, but certainly, Satan's involved because he tempted Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve chose to sin. And every time we sin, we agree that we would have done the same thing. Every day that you sin, you're saying, yeah, I would, I would have done that. I'm just like them. They're a lot like me. And and so, yes, this is our fault. We did this. We made this choice as human beings to participate in sin. This is on us. But God subjected the creation to this futility. I, I think that's the right reading of the text. But then the last words here are so important. The last words of verse 20 say, In whole. God subjected the creation to futility which has resulted in hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, devastation. We call them acts of God. You know, all these things in hope in hope. So, number 1, there's hope for creation. Now, stay with me here. If creation's like a person, if creation's like a person personified in this passage, Is there any hope for creation if it's going to be annihilated? Well, let's put it this way. Would there be any hope for you if you were going to be annihilated? No. No. I mean, it's a very human example, so I'm sorry for its shortcomings. But if you totaled your car and, and, and they're taking it away, I wouldn't say to you, are they going to take it to the auto body repair shop? You know, are you going to get that fixed? Because you say, no, it's totaled. That means it's done. It's done. I mean, you could, you could try to salvage it, but, but as far as I'm concerned, it's done. And, and that's what the question is here. Is the earth going to be annihilated? Is it completely done? Or is there something more? And verse 20 says, there's hope for this creation today. There is hope. Number two. Uh, the redemption of creation, is connected to our redemption. So look, look at verse 21 here. Uh, let's see, here it is. The hope is that the creation itself, the creation that you're standing on right now, will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. So see the connections here. Now there's a word in the NIV that's not there. Uh, I'm sorry, the NIV has eliminated it, but, but it's actually there in Greek. It's a simple little word called chi. Uh, this word is, like, I don't know how many times it would occur in the Bible. It's all over the place. Every time you see the word and, you know, and or also, that's the word chi. Now, in verse 21, in the NIV you don't see it, but, but it reads like this, that the creation itself will also, also "kai," also be liberated from its bondage to decay. That's kind of an important word. I'm not going to fault the NIV translators. No translation is perfect. But also, the creation will also be liberated. Well, also means someone else is going to be liberated too, right? Well, yeah, look at the end of the verse. Verse 21. We're going to be liberated, right? We're, that's going to be brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Creation's liberation is connected to our liberation creation's resurrection is connected to our resurrection. And in fact, if you look at verse uh, 19, look at this. The creation wakes and waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. That's you and me. One day, I mean, you, you've said you're a Christian for I don't know how many years, but one day God's going to say, you're in. You've been saying you're in. You're part of this church or you're a member. That's great. But one day God's going to say it. He's going to say, you're in. You're in my book of life. And it, it's going to be the revealing, the revealing of who the sons of God are. Who's really part of the family? Are you really in? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? And yes, there are fakers. There are fakers. There are people that think they're going to get into heaven because they've done good works. It doesn't work like that. You know, there's fakers. But, but here's the point. One day... The family of God will be revealed, and creation in verse 19 is we waiting with expectation. I, I think it's kind of like it's like the Christmas Day sort of thing. It, it, it's anxiety. It's, I can't wait. Come on. Let's get to this part, you know. for Forget. Let's, let's do this. I don't want any more breakfast. I want open presents, you know. Uh, it, it's that. It's excitement. It's on tiptoes. It's looking in the window. I can't wait. When do we get to find out? About who the believers are. Because when they get resurrected, creation also gets resurrected. It gets redeemed. That's what's going on here. So the Kai is kind of important uh, here. And uh, verse 21, I- I'm, just saying, I'm just saying this. Romans 8, Paul makes a direct connection between our resurrected bodies and the creation. Maybe I'll show you verse 25. Three as well. That might be helpful to you. I'm we'll trying to make the point stronger even. Um, verse 23. Um, Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly. So creation groans, but we're groaning too. Uh, we're waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We're waiting. Creation's waiting on us, and we're waiting too. One day, you're going to die. And on the day Jesus returns, the dead in Christ will rise first. You're going to get a new resurrected body. And what God's going to do is He's going to take the remains of the old and and, and remake it. And it doesn't matter whether your remains are in the ground or if it was cremation and the ashes were scattered. God's going to take it and remake it. He's going to resurrect it. It's not a body made from scratch. It's a body made out of the remains of the old. The dead in Christ will rise. Think about this. If you question this, just think about this. When Jesus was on the cross, he said to the thief next to him, Today you'll be with me in paradise. You'll be in heaven with me today. So Jesus went to heaven on Good Friday. He went to heaven with the thief. But when he rose, when he was resurrected... He didn't come down out of heaven. He came out of the tomb. You ever thought about that? Jesus had a new body. Why didn't his new body come out of heaven, back down to earth? Here I am. Why did it come out of the tomb? Because God took the remains of the old and remade it into new. Does that make sense? I hope. There's a reason Jesus comes out of the tomb and not out of the sky because God takes the remains of the old and he resurrects it and that's what he'll do to the earth. No matter what devastation happens in the last day, and we know from Revelation, it will be devastating. But God will take it and remake it and it will be redeemed and you will live there with me. Number three. uh, If that wasn't enough evidence, I got one more. Here it is. Uh, Verse 22. We know the whole creation has been groaning. Here's personification once again groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Why talk about childbirth? Because creation, in a figurative sense, is going to give birth to something new and beautiful and wonderful new life, no futility. It's going to give birth to a child. Again, we're being figurative here. But the creation's not done. It's just in labor. And when you look at the news, <clears throat> and you see and you see what's going on in our world, mark it down. This is just childbirth. The baby's coming. The baby is the new heavens and earth where we're going to live with Christ forever. My conclusion then is this. We will live forever with God on a new and redeemed earth. God's not done with you. He's going to resurrect your body from the ashes. And God's not done with this earth. He's going to resurrect it from the ashes and remake it into something beautiful and new and perfect and wonderful. Yes, I am saying there's If there's continuity between your old body and your new body, there will be continuity between the old earth and the new earth. I'm sure there's going to be some things that are brand new that we're going to be like, whoa, what is that? But there's going to be things that are like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, That's just, that's, that's what I saw in the old earth, but this is like totally freed up. This is totally new. And it's amazing. You're going to recognize the place that you go on the new earth even though it will be a place of wonders and there will be new things to see there will be continuity it's not annihilated with that in mind could I offer three brief applications to this idea that we're going to live on the new earth with Christ forever three applications something to chew on number one Uh, We ought to recognize that suffering has a universal impact on creation. Suffering, futility, has a universal impact on creation. This is yet another reason why the health and wealth gospel is completely false. Don't tell people it's God's intention for everyone to be healthy and wealthy in this life because the ground itself works against that. If they don't believe that, you can take them to Genesis and say, the ground was cursed. You know part of the curse is painful childbirth. All is not as it should be. There's something better. I'll leave that there. Suffering is universal. We see it everywhere. Maybe I say it for this reason. Because one day the tornado may take its aim at you. And you need to be ready on that day. And you may groan and you may cry out. And your redemption will come. But there may be suffering in the meantime. That's the world we live in. Number two. If God cares so much about redeeming his creation, if he says, I subjected my creation to futility in hope, if God cares so much about redeeming this world, we should also care about being good stewards of it. There has been a resistance within the church by some to environmentalism, and I understand why. I mean, I understand that our world can take that too far. And to the extreme that w- where animals become more important than people. I, I understand that. I understand the, 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 the wrongheadedness of so much of that. But we're stewards. God has given the earth to human beings as a steward, and God cares about it enough that He's going to redeem it. If God's going to redeem your body, I mean, that's one of the reasons we take care of our body. That's why you go to the doctor. You, you, don't, you don't say, well,. I have this sickness, and and, and it's curable. I could go to the doctor and, and, and try to do something about it, but I won't because the body doesn't really matter. No, you'd say the body does matter, and I do go to the doctor, and I do ask for healing because this body matters. I don't want to be in pain. I don't want to suffer if there's answers within this world. And the same is true of creation. You don't say, well, it's just going to burn up, so who cares? Let's just abuse it. You'd say, let's steward it. That's what God has called us to. It's a creation mandate from Genesis. That's number two. Uh, Number three. Uh, If we live in a world held back by the curse, then think about how awesome the new earth will be. I mean, really, this ought to just expand your imagination. I mean, it just ought to like open doors in your head. I mean, not that you know what everything will look like on the new earth, but that you're thinking, if I love climbing the mountain here, and and the mountain was subjected to futility, think of what it will be like there. Think of that. If I love walking in the woods now and seeing what I see and enjoying nature, think about what it will be then. If I love animals now, think about what they will be like Later, because they're all under bondage now. And one day they'll be completely uh, set loose, cut free. They will be liberated. So you're going to see a creation that's going to have some continuity, but it's going to be new. And it's going to be awesome. If... You want to be there, as you've done your 50 days of heaven reading, the the default destination for every person in this world is not the new earth. It's actually hell. We sinned. We've talked about that today. Every day you agree, yeah, I deserve the judgment coming my way because I have fallen short of God's standards, God's commands, God's perfection. I've fallen short. Can I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes now? If you'd like to respond and say, I'm sorry for my sins, today is the day I need to receive Jesus' forgiveness. I believe He died on the cross for me and He rose from the dead for me. If you need to respond today because you want to be in that place, you want to be on the new heavens and earth. You want to be with Jesus forever. You want to have your slate wiped clean of all of your sins. If you'd like to respond today, would you just look up at me at this time? If, if you need to respond. I see you. Others? You'd like to respond today? Okay. I see you. I'm going to pray and maybe give you some words that you could pray something like this in your own heart right now. Lord Jesus. I, just, I want to be in the new heavens and the new earth with you. I want to make that my home. But I know the thing stopping me is my sin. My imperfections. My mistakes. The times I've violated your commands. I do it every day. And I just want to say that I'm sorry. And I want to ask you to forgive me based on Jesus dying on the cross to pay the price for me. And I believe He rose from the dead. And so now I believe that I will too. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. And now help me follow you all the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and sing? Thank